Welcome to 20 Minute Bible Study, a podcast from Faith on Hill Church in Milwaukee, Oregon. My name is Adam, and while I put 20 minutes on the timer, why don't you turn in your Bibles to the book of Exodus, chapter 16. want to start off by acknowledging that uh, last week's episode had the wrong verses in the title card. I apologize about that, if there was any confusion. We are picking up where we left off last week. The book of Exodus chapter 16, we're going we're gonna to start actually in verse uh, 15 here. And it says, Moses said to, the, or sorry, verse 15, when the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? For they didn't know what it is. So what happened is the people of Israel are in the desert, in the wilderness. They have crossed the Red Sea. They have been delivered from slavery and bondage in Egypt, but now they are in the wilderness. And there's disagreement about how many people crossed the Red Sea and how many people existed in the wilderness. Some say thousands, some say up to a million or two. I don't think it matters that much personally. Whether it's 500,000 or a million or even just a lower number like 300,000, that's a ton of people to be in the wilderness. The logistics of human existence are far more complex and fragile than we realize. I know we're sort of living through it in some way right now, but I remember when the movie Contagion came out and uh, the person I was watching it with, we were watching and there's a scene where Matt Damon's character goes into a grocery store and there's, there's nothing. The store is empty and decimated and, 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 the person I was watching it with said, well, that's not real. That's, that's sensationalism. And I said, no, because uh, you may know, you may not, but I, I spent 10 years uh, in management in the grocery industry. I said, no, that's very real. That is incredibly real. Our, our food supply chain is very fragile. And we've seen it in some ways, right? Like there were all of a sudden, uh, you know, no toilet paper. Uh, all of a sudden there's, there's things you can't get. We, we, for a while, right, we could only buy like one thing of ground beef at the store per trip. Um, you can't get dill pickles right now. I, I mean, there's things like that that are just weird. Um, to, to feed that many people, and not just sustenance, right, but they're moving. They're, they're not just staying put, but they're moving through the wilderness, and that requires a higher level of calorie intake. So God had provided for his people miraculously. Verse 13, as we covered last week, said that quail came and covered the camp. So every evening they were getting protein. They were getting this quail uh, meal. They would just, the, this flock of quails would just appear and land. And the people could just kind of take whatever they want. And they had quail for dinner. And then in the morning... There was a layer of dew around the camp, and when the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. And verse 15, when the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? For they didn't know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is the bread of the Lord. 
the bread the Lord has given to you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person that you have in your tent. And an omer is about three pounds. So they were to take about three pounds per person per tent. So if your tent had five people living in it, 15 pounds or uh, five omers. If your, per, if your tent only had two people, then two omers. Uh, the idea was that between three pounds of this manna and the quail that came at night, that the people of Israel would have enough so that they would live, they would stay healthy. They weren't just subsisting, but but it was enough for them to work and live. Uh, The calories and the, the proteins and everything that they needed was there for them. So verse 17, the Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much and some gathered little. And when they measured it by the Omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. And everyone gathered just as much as they needed. So what they're saying is there were some households that would have needed more, uh, some households that would have needed to, uh, to gather more, as the Lord had said, because they uh, you know, had more people in their household, and some had uh, less needs, so they took less. But everyone had enough. Now, verse 19, then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning. So basically what Moses was saying is take what you need for today. Take what you need for today. Verse 20, however, some of them paid no attention to Moses and they kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Take what you need for today. Jesus repeated this sentiment multiple times. Don't worry about tomorrow. Sufficient for today are your worries. There's there's enough to worry about today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you. There are times where we want to know everything that's going to happen ahead. And the Lord just looks at us and says, I have taken care of you for today. This is a matter of faith. There was not to be stockpiling of food. You didn't preserve manna. Now, if you lived in a agrarian culture, you harvested and then you ate fresh what you needed and then the rest you preserved. And there's different methods over the years of salting and drying, canning and jarring, different ways of preserving uh, that, that people have come up with over the years. Manna was not preservable. You weren't supposed to take it and set it away. It only lasted for today. It's possible that God has given you everything you need. In fact, I would say more than possible, it's likely that God has given you everything you need for today. And you can worry about tomorrow. Let's say that you're freed from addiction and today you have sobriety, but you worry, what happens if I relapse tomorrow? And I believe the Lord says to us, worry about today. Today God has brought you through and tomorrow his grace will be there but worry about today. Maybe you're trying to build up knowledge and you say, I want to know everything that's coming. And God says, I've given you your work for today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't 
set money aside in our savings accounts and our retirements accounts? Of course not. Jesus said, be wise as serpents, be harmless as doves. In fact, there was a point where Jesus said to his followers, uh, the children of this world are often wiser with their money than the children of the kingdom. So this isn't a, a teaching against savings accounts or being wise or having retirement set aside. But what this is, is a reminder that God's grace and his provision are for today. And it does us no good to worry about things we can't control tomorrow. I know that today I have a roof over my heads that my children have food to eat. And I'm going to be wise and do what I need to do so that that exists tomorrow. But who knows? COVID took away our false sense of security. We had this idea that we were secure. That didn't happen in agrarian society. You didn't know, would the rains come and water your crops? You didn't know, would you be just about ready to harvest and then a hailstone comes and destroys 80% of your crops and you spend the next six months barely getting by and starving? You didn't know from one day to the next, you only had today. In our current situation, in our modern society, we have illusions of, of everything in place. How many people had been responsible and done the right thing and they were just ready to retire in 2008 and the economy collapsed and they said, oh, I thought I was secure. Here are people who didn't trust the word of the Lord. The Lord said, take what you need today. And they were stockpiling and saving and, and it led to nothing, full of maggots and it began to smell. Verse 21, each morning everyone gathered as much as they needed. And when the sun grew hot, it melted away. So they took what they needed, and anything that was left out would melt away in the heat of the day. It makes me think in some ways of our own spiritual nourishment. Over the years, I have met many Christians who had an incredible, impactful, life-changing Christian experience 10 years ago. 20 years ago, 30 years ago. I've met Christians who don't have a single thing to, to testify about of, of God's work in their life. And it, it, all they can seem to talk about is what God did in their life in the 70s or in the 80s or in the 90s. And then you go, but yeah, but what's God doing today? It seems, it seems like God stopped working in your life in 1998 and you don't know why. And I don't believe that God stopped working. I do believe sometimes we rely on what has been taken previously, but every morning they had to go out and gather as much as they needed because it wouldn't last. Every morning, every day, we have to re renew our seeking after God. What happened yesterday is in the past. I need today to be a day that the Lord has made. Verse 22, on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person. And the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. And he said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy day to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil and save whatever is left and keep it until morning. So they saved it until morning as God commanded, and it did not stink or get maggots in it. That's good news. Eat it today. Moses said, because today is a Sabbath day to the Lord, and you will not find any on the ground today. Six days are you to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath day, there will not be any. 
I think many of us would be familiar with the Sabbath concept, the day of rest. The people of Israel were not to do any work or labor on the seventh day. It was to be a day of rest because on the seventh day, God rested from his creation. And God gave the people this blessing because human beings were not meant to go 100% day in and day out, nonstop. We need rest. Now, this is an act of faith. Verse 24, so they saved it until the morning, as Moses commanded. Now, remember, previous to this, anyone who had saved extra food had woke up to smelling, foul, rotten, maggot-ridden food. But on the sixth day, they were to save some. And it did not stink or get maggots in it. Verse 25, eat it today, said Moses, because today is a Sabbath day in the Lord. Six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath day, you will not find any. That is an act of faith. That you have to trust that on this day, the provision of the Lord will get you through, not just one day, but two days. That the provision of the Lord will bring you through That's an act of faith. Now, in verse 27, it says, Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath, and that is why on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where they are on the seventh day. No one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. I can't prove it, but I suspect that a large part of the group in verse 27 that didn't save enough on the sixth day and on the seventh day they went out to gather and found none. I can't prove it, but I suspect that a majority of them were the people from verse 20 who paid no attention and they gathered more than they needed and they kept it and the next day found it rotten and full of maggots. Previous disobedience can make future faith actions harder. Previous disobedience can make future faith actions harder. Here's what I mean by that. Let's say that you're the person who gathered more than you needed and you woke up to that horrible smell that horrible stench, that horrible scene, the bugs everywhere, and they're crawling all over your tent. And now you have to save some. But you've had a bad experience. Let me give you some real-world examples of what I mean. There are people who have a hard time believing that as far as human, romantic, and intimate relations go, marriage is God's design. And the reason they have a hard time believing that is because the previous disobedience of their parents. Maybe they have a hard time believing that because of the previous disobedience of themselves or of a spouse. Marriage didn't work for my parents because of their sin, so why should I think that marriage will work for me? 
Marriage didn't work previously for me because my spouse cheated on me and left. Or marriage didn't work previously because I was the unfaithful one. How can I know that going forward, this is God's plan for me? You have to have faith. You have to believe. You have to trust. And that's just one example. I, I think in some ways I'm, I'm picking off the low-hanging fruit. That there are times where we see sin and disobedience, and it makes us harder for us to believe going forward. We live in a day that rejects God's plan for marriage. But can I tell you, I firmly believe that one of the reasons why it is so hard for us as a culture and for younger Christians to accept it is because Christians had redefined marriage in the past. That was one of the big buzzwords in the last 10 years. Oh, you can't let people redefine marriage. But Christians had done that very thing. Marriage is between a man and a woman. And for Christians, marriage is to be between a believing woman and a believing man. Yet, there were Christians and there were churches and there were religious institutions that just a few decades ago, and sadly, I'm sure there are some in this day and in this city who taught and who teach that a black woman and a white man should not get married. Christians had redefined marriage when they started to ban interracial marriage. There are people who just a short time, a few number of years ago, would have said that my marrying my wife because she's brown and I'm white was wrong. That's never been God's definition of marriage. A believing man, a believing woman, committing to each other unto the Lord to serve God together, that's God's plan for marriage. I firmly believe that one of the reasons that the acceptance of the concept of gay marriage has been so readily accepted is because of the sin of the ban on interracial marriage. I firmly believe that. Previous disobedience can make future faithfulness harder. If it's harder for us to believe, to have faith, one of the reasons why giving is so low in churches is because of previous unfaithfulness with the resources God has given people. If it's harder to go forward and to have faith, it's something we have to say, Lord, this is an area where it's hard for me to believe. Can you help my unbelief? Verse 31, so the people called the bread manna, and manna is a Hebrew word that means basically like, what is it? They didn't know what it was. They weren't sure what it was made of or where it came from. Uh, it Verse 31 says that it was white, like coriander seed. It tasted like wafers made with honey. So it had some savoriness. It had some sweetness to it. Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded. Take an omer of manna and keep it for the generations to come so that they can see the bread I gave you to eat when I brought, it out of the brought you out of Egypt. So, Aaron said to, or so Moses said to Aaron, take a jar and put an omer of manna in it. Then place it before the Lord to be kept for all generations. And as the Lord commanded Moses, Aaron put the manna with the tablets of the covenant of the law so that they might be preserved. The Israelites ate manna 40 years until they came to the land that was settled. They ate manna until they reached the border of Canaan. And Omer is one-tenth of an ephod. So a couple things there. 
The Ark of the Covenant. If you've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know what I'm talking about. The Ark of the Covenant, inside it contained the tablets of the law, the Ten Commandments, which we'll get to in a few weeks. It also contained a jar containing manna. These were memorials to what God had done. He took care of them the whole time that they were in Israel. Or sorry, that they were in the wilderness trying to get into the land of Israel. Just as he will take care of you, he will take care of me. In this time of pandemic, in this time of uncertainty, we can know that God is with us and he has not abandoned us. He has not forgotten us. I want to say thank you again for joining us for another episode of the 20-Minute Bible Study. New episodes are released every Thursday. Audio podcasts are available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. A video version of this podcast is available on our Facebook page, Faith on Hill, sorry, Facebook.com backslash Faith on Hill. You can check out our website, faithonhill.com. My name's Adam. I want to say thank you for joining us for another episode of the 20-Minute Bible Study. We'll see you next week.